Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight, a perfect line. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Way In Sports Talk. Hope everyone had a great weekend. We did our last show Thursday. A lot to cover tonight. A lot has transpired in the world of the NFL and college football over the last several days. So, great weekend of, of college football if, you, if you're a big college football fan like we are. But it's Florida State at home. Last play of the game, that's what it came down to. Florida State held on. A lot of people are wondering why right now Florida State is still number two and didn't go up to number one. We'll be discussing that tonight, as well as a a lot of the action that that happened. You know, a lot of people are predicting the Final Four, especially now with the committees coming together next Monday or next Tuesday night. The Saturday is my birthday coming up, so the Tuesday after that. So if you're going to send me gifts, just, just please go ahead and do it. I do accept gift cards, cash, anything you want to send me, I'll take. But that's when the first committee meeting is going to come out. So a lot of these teams are going to be trying to impress and to get the eye of the committee over these next couple of weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see who the committee has in the Final Four at this time. A lot can happen after next weekend. But I would be curious to see how the committee would view the Final Four today if the season had ended I have a good mind to say that that I do think that three SEC teams would be in at this point with Florida State. Uh, You can't leave Florida State out. They just find ways to win every game, no matter what the circumstances are. And you'd have to probably put Auburn in there as a four seed with Kansas State beating Oklahoma on the road. And you'd have to have Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, Alabama, all these teams play each other. So it's going to clear the picture for us a little bit. But this is such an important time in college football not to lose. While everybody's losing right now, it's a good time not to because you'll never know when you need that win in your back pocket. It wouldn't surprise me if some of these teams actually had two losses that made the playoffs because we're halfway through the season and almost everybody has lost a game except the the Florida State Seminoles, and I, I really don't see them losing a game. I think Mississippi State, Ole Miss are going to lose a couple, Auburn, Alabama, all of these teams up at the top. Oregon, I think they drop another one. So at the end of the day, it's not out of the question just because you lose two games and you have a rough schedule that you're out of it. And when I say a tough schedule, I mean how many top ten teams have you played, how many ranked teams have you beaten? If you lose one game in the Big 12, which that's probably not going to be possible now with everything, does it outweigh a two-loss team with a tougher schedule? I mean, that's what I want to see the committee. How are they viewing this? Because if you want a conference championship, play, uh, college playoff, then, then say something about it before you even you even come in. Because at the end of the day, we want the four best teams, and if that's four teams from the Big Ten, that's fine. If it's four teams from the SEC, that's fine. If it's four teams from the Big 12, I don't care. But a lot of cannibalism is starting to happen, especially in a conference. And we'll talk about this a little later. The Big 12 conference, 
right now. There's a lot of good teams in that conference. There's no great teams. And what you're starting to see is, just like in every conference, just about the cannibalization, if that's a word. The SEC is going to start getting it a lot here in the next few weeks, I think, because you cannot continue to play tough opponents week in and week out and continue just to dominate and win. Look at Alabama yesterday, 59 to nothing over A&M. The week before, they beat Arkansas 14 to 13. So was A&M that bad or was Alabama that good? And I'm going to take a caller right here from the 770 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hi, Tarvin. This is Sonia and Jason on our way back from T-Town listening to Blog Talk Radio, Way in Sports, live on our radio on our way on our way home. Well, how's it going? Going great. I'm sorry we can't be in the chat room because we're actually, you know, in the car. <laughs> but we just wanted to call in and let you know we're listening, and this is the number we're on. So when you want to bring us on, we're here. You guys are entertaining us on our drive home. Well, you got to stay put right there. Don't move, Trey. We got Sonia and Jason to tune in with us tonight and to to give their input. But, Trey, I'll ask you this. I mean, the more I watch college football, the more I see there's not a dominant team out there. And, hell, everybody in the playoffs may have two losses for all I know. I mean, this is a crazy football season right now. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, playoff because you're right. It's going to come down to who really is a hot team. I mean, there's not a team that you can look at talent-wise uh, and, and think there's not a huge hole or, or a very big concern that you have for that team, and they're just they're not out there. And so it's really going to come down to who's healthy at the end of the year uh, and who's playing top ball because um, it's a jumble. For, uh, right now, you, you, you asked the question, which is the best one-loss team, Tarvin? I don't well, know. I mean, good luck. It's, it's an argument that you can make for many, many teams. I do not know, and I'm, I'm not saying that to be funny or to be dramatic. I don't know who's better between Alabama and Auburn and Oregon and, and Michigan State and all these teams right now because I think you said something key, the health. And I, I see it with my team, the Auburn Tigers. They're starting to get banged up. The little injuries are creeping up, and you you come in and you get beat, and it's hard. You saw Alabama; they're they're going through the injury bug as well. But which team has the depth? And I think Sonia's talked about this before. You know, you win championships by your second and third teams. How good are they? How deep are they, Trey? And I think what we see is a lot of these teams come out of the gate scoring fifty, sixty points. They look sharp, but when the wear and tear starts hitting. You look at the Big 12. I mean, this is a bloodbath in the Big 12 right now. It's exciting football, but Oklahoma's out of it right now. And I think Oklahoma's going to put Baylor out of it. I don't think Kansas State's good enough to win the Big 12. I think TCU's good, but they they have a tough schedule. And you look at the SEC. I mean, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they're going to lose a game or two. Auburn's going to lose a couple games. Alabama could. I mean, so at the end of the day, how is this committee trade going to pick between a one-loss, conference champion, maybe in a weaker conference, or a two-loss team with a resume that's from top to bottom the best in the country. I mean, this is going to be very difficult, and I'm very excited to see how the committee views these first four teams on their first selection next Tuesday night. Yeah, I still think two losses are going to, are going to do it. I really don't think that you're going to be able to get into the playoffs with two losses, and unless some crazy stuff happens. I mean, there's there's obviously something that could happen to get you there, but I just, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, we'll see if 
there is a two loss, you know, a lot too many two loss teams, and maybe everybody's got a lot. Maybe then you get a two loss team in, but right now, I mean, you're right, man. It's just, it's just there's a lot of scenarios that could happen. Well, it starts now. You're going to find out who the real teams are. Right now, we we've been through eight weeks of college football. We still have a lot left, and these are the games where where everything's on the line. And this is when you'll start seeing the teams like Baylor. Oklahoma and teams like that take a step back, and I just don't know how who's who's going to win the SEC right now. But the the ACC last night, Trey, your Florida State Seminoles. I don't know how happy you are with that game, but to me, it looked like Notre Dame outplayed them. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, I think Florida State. Um, again, you t- you talk about injuries, Tarvin. I mean, the, the team is mm-hmm. the backup center. Who was a true freshman played awful in that game. You got that, that kid got whipped uh, left and right, <laughs> up and down the field. Uh, and you know, having a freshman who's never started uh, before, you know, a game ago, this was his first start. Um, you know, you have uh, you have problems, and it was pretty clear. Uh, you and I have talked about the nose tackle situation, the D line. They're down the third string uh, after the Citadel game, and, and how obvious was it when when to the the offensive line for Notre Dame was pushing him back five yards every single time. I'm just telling you, man, that they're, they're, you can't replace big guys up front. That is no, you, you can. And 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 the lucky thing for Florida State is they they have a schedule that's very favorable. I mean, they they're going to go undefeated probably without Winston. If Winston was suspended tomorrow, I mean, I think Florida State probably wins the rest of their games. And my question is, how fair is it? That, that they could possibly get in this playoff and their best win come against a Notre Dame team that I really don't think is is playoff caliber team. They're a good little team. I don't think they're as good as that 2012 Notre Dame team that played Alabama. But, again, I mean, Notre Dame's going to come up to the meat of their schedule now. They play Florida State. They still play Arizona State, Southern Cal, and different teams like that. But, Trey, I mean, is Florida State going to be battle-tested enough just say they run the table, make it to that final four. Are they going to be battle tested enough to step up and and win a college playoff? I think with Florida State, if and I'll be honest, I still don't. I know a lot of people assume they're going to make it through that schedule. They get a bye week and they go into Louisville, who's giving them trouble. And Louisville's a decent team; they're not a good team, but a decent team can beat a team like Florida State with all the injuries because there is no elite team, and it still could happen. Uh, so Florida State has to basically basically stay by every week, just win, uh, and hope like crazy that some of those front interior linemen get healthy and some of the linebackers they're missing. Uh, and that's the shot they have, is they have to get healthy. I mean, right now the backup quarterback who won the Clemson game is still out. So, I mean, they have a lot of injury problems. Uh, and it's if, they, if it keeps going, Carvin, they're going to get beat. I mean, you just can't get by in college football with everybody going after you uh, because you're the national champion. Their best game, even a mediocre team, can play their best perfect game and beat you. Definitely. And and one thing that, I don't know, I've been noticing started going around last night and today is, is Ohio State. People are, are ready to put them back in the playoff picture, Trey. And after that embarrassing home loss against Virginia Tech, by 14 points, people are starting to say Ohio State's ready to make a playoff push. But I don't understand how you say that with wins against 
Cincinnati, Kent State, Maryland, and Rutgers. After after those four teams, are you ready, Trey, to say Ohio State's back? I mean, that's that's not very good competition. No, and I heard I heard somebody talk about this on ESPN about how uh, J T. Jarrett is now a Heisman Trophy candidate. <laughs> I just you know, look here's here's the deal. I don't think Dak Prescott is going to win the Heisman either. Uh, if you look at this time last year, you saw Alabama on top of the national polls, and you know a lot, a lot of people were talking about other folks winning the Heisman. We we don't know what's going to happen. And so the front runner right about now generally isn't the one who's going to win it. But I can tell you, uh, of all the long shots I see, J.T. Jarrett is not up there. What about Kenny Trill? Is he, is he still up there on your list, Trey? I don't think Kenny Trill is, is even in the. Uh, I don't think the, the label makers even ha- even had a label for them to invite him. I but but the problem I have, and 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 look, I'm not bashing the Big Ten because Michigan State's playing good football, Nebraska, uh, Minnesota. There's there's teams playing real good football, and they've earned it. But you you sit here and you see Ohio State. They played Navy this year. They won. They beat Kent State 66 to nothing. They beat Cincinnati at home, fifty to twenty-eight. Went to Maryland, one fifty-two to twenty-four. Came back home for Rutgers, one fifty-six to seventeen. I mean, their first eight games of the season are going to be against non-ranked opponents. Then they play at Michigan State, at Minnesota. Now that's where we're going to find out how good Ohio State really is. But how could you even say they're in the hunt right now? Looking at the only game they played, the best opponent they played, beat them by 14 in their backyard. They're not even ranked. That's what's getting on my nerves. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you talk about uh, the committee and scheduling and, and strength of schedule, Tarvin. And what makes you think that Ohio State, ab- absent sort of anarchy going down in college football where, you know, maybe they whip Michigan today and then they look like, you know, the only one-loss team or – you know, Florida State loses two, the Pac-12 is a mess. You know, the SEC knocks out itself, and then maybe somehow they slip in. But, Tarvin, do you really see that as a, as a possibility? No. Oh, I, I, I see it as no possibility whatsoever. I don't care if they win the rest of their schedule and win the Big Ten. I, I just do not think they deserve it. And going to Minnesota-Michigan State back-to-back weeks, they're going to lose one, if not two, of those games right there. I mean, they'll beat Indiana at home, and the Michigan game, you just never know. Michigan looks terrible right now. But, I mean, you're putting up these points against some of the bottom feeders to the sisters of the poor right now. Going to Penn State next week, uh, I don't think it's just going to be a cakewalk going on the road at night uh, to Happy Valley. So so we'll see that. But we're going to get to the NFL real quick, and then we'll get Sonya and Jason in here to talk some football with us. Some college football right now. Denver's up seven to nothing over the San Francisco 49ers. Peyton Manning, surprise, surprise, threw a touchdown pass on his first drive, and it looks like Denver looks unbeatable at home. So we'll see how this game pans out. I'm surprised how easy that first drive was for them. But hey, what do you think? And I was wrong. I was wrong in the NFL. The game I picked wrong this weekend. I said Cincinnati would go into Indianapolis and take care of business. Man, I was wrong. Twenty-seven to nothing. Indy took took care of business. I don't even think Cincinnati had a first down in the first half. And a, another team that that didn't look too hot today, the Chicago Bears, dropped a, a heartbreaker at home, twenty-seven to fourteen to the Dolphins. 
and Trey Carolina, man, they look real good today, getting beat 38-17 to 17 in Lambeau. I mean, how, how is Carolina first place in the division right now, Trey? Well, I mean, just happens to be a little lucky and a little bit of <laughs> play. And, I mean, Carolina is one of those up-and-down teams. The NFL, you see this from time to time where teams, like, game, you know, just game-changing, you know, busters until um, – Hold on a second. I'm gonna oh, that's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead and get on mute. Uh, yeah, Carolina team, and and you know sometimes I'll go on team message boards just to get the feel about what fans are saying after a football game, and a lot of Carolina fans are talking about putting Anderson in at quarterback ahead of Cam Newton, and uh, I just I just scratch my head and wonder sometimes how how these fans are they really fans? Do they really understand football? How do you think Derek Anderson would be a, a more viable option at quarterback than Cam Newton, who can, who can do it all? But we, we said it going into this season that Carolina was going to struggle, and it was because they, they lost a ton of players. They have Hardy out for beating his wife or choking her or something. They lost their entire receiving core, even though they have that good kid out of Florida State, Benjamin, on the scene. He's not, he can't do it all by himself. Their running game's uh, not very good. Their offensive line's not very good. And people are questioning the defense, and the defense is struggling because the offense is struggling. They're on the field a lot, and it's it's just very difficult to sit here and watch fans bash certain players. I mean, where was Carolina before Cam got there? They were a two-win team. Now at least they're respectable. They made the playoffs last year, and they got embarrassed, but at least they, they made it to the playoffs. And that, that's the problem I have is, some of these fans, the expectations, week in and week out, I mean, if their team does good, oh, they're so happy and everybody's great. If they they get beat, they're ready to fire the coach, kick off the quarterback, or do whatever. It's always somebody to blame. And I'd like to see these guys get out here from behind their their recliners, get out of their recliners, out of their mom's basement, and come and try to play the game of football. It's not as easy as it is on Xbox, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, I have a lot of respect for these NFL athletes what they have to go through, the, the the gladiator sport where they're they're sacrificing their body every game. And speaking about sacrificing the body, the New Orleans Saints today drop a close one uh, to the Detroit Lions, 24-23. to 23. Drew Brees had the ball within a minute and a half left, and they just couldn't get a first down. Detroit holds on and wins that one. And Trey, the Dallas Cowboys, a, a team that, you know, I was wondering when they're going to slip up. They took care of business at home today, and they look good, 31-21. And an interesting stat, uh, Murray was the first running back to ever rush for 100 yards in his first seven games of the season. That that has to be a pretty impressive stat to you. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And we talked about how Murray basically is, you know, leading the way with the Cowboys. Um, and it's really, you know, really – you know, key for them to actually base their passing game off the running game. You saw Romo with play action time today, and it's just he's just a different quarterback with able to run the play action pass effectively. I mean, you saw you know Peyton Manning and others do it for years, and now it looks like you know finally Romo has that little slack. And and Tony Romo is playing good because guess what? The offensive line is playing good. People always overlook, though, the one thing that if you see a team having success on the ground and through the air, you have to look no further than the offensive line. That's why Dallas has done a great job of making sure they, they built that. They've used some draft picks to, to get that line where it needs to be. The defense is playing with a chip on their shoulder. 
if you can run the ball in the NFL, you can throw as well. And Bromo's never had this type of support to where they balance on offense and defense. Uh, Dallas is going to be a very dangerous team. You look at that schedule for Dallas the rest of the season, or, or excuse me, the next four or five games, they're going to be favored in all of those games. The toughest road game, they only have one in the next five games at New York, but they play Arizona at home, and they play some other bottom feeders, really. But uh, Dallas could be like a 10-11-1 team already locked up in the playoffs, but there's one team in that division that's winning with them, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles. That team, I can't wait to see that matchup, to see the Eagles and Cowboys go head-to-head. That's going to be amazing to watch that game. And Arizona took care of business today on the road. They're the leader in the NFC West right now. They went 24-13 on the road at Oakland. Uh, Not an impressive score, but you go on the road in the NFL and win, that's enough, especially when you play in the division they do. They want to survive. They want to move on, and that's exactly what they did. The Atlanta Falcons laid an egg today. 29-7 29-7 on the road at Baltimore. I have no idea what's going on with this team, but they're not very good. They're not going to win this division, it doesn't look like. And I don't see a good running game out of them. The defense is not great. Matt Ryan's always doing good. Julio, Roddy White, they're going to get theirs, but they need some help, and that's something they're not getting right now. And in the upset of the week, of the NFL, the St. Louis Rams at home, beat the Seattle Seahawks 28-26. to Seattle dropping their second game in a row, moving to 3-3, three and three, almost last place in the division if it wasn't for the Rams. And something big today, if you're an Auburn fan out there, Trey Mason gets his first NFL touchdown. He ran for about 80, 85 yards, and not too bad, uh, especially against Seattle. But, but Trey Seattle, you look at them right now, that's a team that I'm kind of worried about. Three and three in a tough division. I don't think they're going to win this division unless they get it together soon. Whoops, I have Trey on mute. One second. Trey, what do you hey. think about the Seahawks? Uh, you know, I think both you and I both had it in the wild card um, to start the year off. Uh, so it wasn't one of those moments that we thought that, that they were going to be when you're the Super Bowl champion you will have, you know, the target on your back. And I think they're getting everybody's best game. And you're seeing basically people game plan in ways they haven't done before, and especially on defense. Now, Russell Wilson's looking great, and he's having to run. But the fact is, Tarvin, he's having to do that. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Russell Wilson, if he's if he's having to take off a lot and he's having to throw the ball a lot, then – Seattle's going to struggle. Russell Wilson's a good quarterback, but he's a game manager, and he needs to be able to get the ball into his playmaker's hand and rely on that defense and, and running game. And right now they're asking him to do too much, which which makes me worry that, that he's going to get injured. If he gets hurt, Seattle's done. I'm telling you, Russell Wilson's the most valuable, one of probably the most valuable players in the NFL right now for what he does for his team. But passing 300 yards on the road, my hat's off to him, but he can't do it all by himself. Running the ball for 100 yards, I mean, he played well enough to win, but it seems like the better numbers he puts up, the the worse the team does. And I'm sorry if you heard my dog in the background. I don't understand why every show, he, he doesn't bark during the day until the show starts. I, I just, I don't get it. Maybe he has ESP, some kind of gift that I'm not sure of. 
But uh, another good game today in the NFL. We're not. We're about to get into college football, but the Kansas City Chiefs went on the road in a desperation game and beat the San Diego Chargers 23 to 20. Really liked that game. Kansas City had to have this win, as we discussed on the show Thursday night. They had to have the win, and they got it. And, Jason, you're out there. Minnesota Vikings lose a heartbreaker. Sammy Watkins with a touchdown catch in the last minute of the game to beat the Minnesota Vikings 17-16. to Man, Sammy Watkins is a beast, and he and he's really playing like it. So, hats off to them. Jacksonville gets a win today at home, 24-6. to Can't leave them out. The battle of the... The two worst teams in the NFL, Cleveland and Jacksonville, in my opinion, and Jacksonville takes care of business at home. But it wasn't a great day of the NFL, but it was it was okay. Right now, Denver up seven to nothing right now over the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco missed a kick, and here we are late in the first quarter again. Denver up seven to nothing. And it's time to get into our college football. Review. We're not gonna we're not gonna look at every game and surprise surprise. Peyton Manning just threw another touchdown. It looks like, but they ruled him down at the half yard line. Wow, Peyton Manning is carving up this defense. But on the college football, and if if you if you're a Big Twelve fan right now and you were hoping Baylor was gonna win the Big Twelve and and make it, Oklahoma was gonna get in. It's probably not gonna happen, guys. And we we'll start off with Kansas State and Oklahoma. To, to really talk about it, Oklahoma at home. And, and one thing that concerned me about this game for Oklahoma is it was a noon kickoff game. And, you know, they, they didn't look good. Oklahoma didn't look good against Texas the week before. Texas carved them up. They couldn't get anything going. And it carried over to a game against a Kansas State team, which usually they, they don't beat themselves for the most part. So Oklahoma had to had to give them some help, and, and they did. Kansas State took care of business on the road. And Oklahoma with two losses now, and they're done. I mean, there's no way Oklahoma can make the college playoff trade. I mean, two losses in, in the Big 12 this early, and, and when they lost to TCU, that's not looking like a terrible loss. But losing at home to Kansas State, that was the nail in the coffin right here. A road game I could forgive, but not at home. You don't lose to Kansas State at home, Trey. No, I mean, losing at home is such a big a big showstopper right now. I mean, yeah, it's to a ranked team, but uh, the point is, is you have to sort of hold on to your home ground. And I think, you know, you look at strength of schedule, you look at losses. Uh, obviously, uh, losing to a ranked team is better than losing to an unranked team, perhaps. Um, but, I mean, college football, the home field advantage is so huge. You kind of just expect uh, a team like Oklahoma – to hold serve, but this is what you and I talk about. I mean, you have Oklahoma, who you know, much ballyhooed, but you have a quarterback who hasn't faced defenses who have prepped for him. He got to go into last year being unknown uh, towards the end of the season, and there wasn't a lot of tape on him. Well, they have tape on him now, Tarvin, and I think you're seeing the difference. I think you're seeing Oklahoma, the defense has holes, and the fact that people are game planning for Trevor Knight. He's making mistakes at times. Exactly, and and you know, I, and I've said it this a hundred times. And I know people may be sick of it, but Oklahoma got way, way too much love and credit for beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl last year. And instead of wanting to believe that they beat a team that you know really didn't 
care about that game as much. You're going for your third national championship in a row, and you your 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 game you get to play. Your consolation prize is getting to play to see who wins the Sugar Bowl. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. Alabama didn't want to be there. Oklahoma had a great game, and they they executed well. They beat Alabama, and then all of a sudden they're the number one team in the land. Come on, give me a break. I just, I mean, championships are built over seasons. You see teams the way they build them. Oklahoma is not ready for a championship. But one thing I'll tell you about Oklahoma is I love the way they run the football. And if they can get a defense to go with that offense, the way they run, Trey, I think Oklahoma could be a contender next year, but it's not going to happen now. No, I think next year they'll have a better team. I mean, I think they lost a lot of people. And, and the problem with – and by the way, this is not a, a first time that this has happened. People in the SEC do this all the time. They base results on last year, uh, what we'll see next year, and you just can't do that. For Oklahoma, you and I, um, you know, they they whipped Alabama, and that's a great win. They deserve – they played out. They beat Alabama, uh, but that doesn't correlate to what happens on the field this this year for Oklahoma because the players are different. Um, and so, yeah, Trevor Knight was back, but I mean, different schedule, different. Um, you know, no no four weeks to prep for one team, and this is a week to prep for each person. Uh, so, and there's a lot of things that you just can't base that off of. So, I think Oklahoma's out, man. I think it's it's time to look at the teams and that we didn't think about in the Big Twelve. Uh, who have the best shot. I mean, Baylor still has a pretty good shot, but really, and honestly, Tarvin, I mean, TCU looks like the team uh, who really could make a run. Well, they could, but again, a one-loss Big 12 champion, and unless there's two-loss teams out there, probably doesn't have a good shot right now to get in. And and I don't, I don't trust TCU enough to say, you know, they're going to finish this season where they are with one loss. I don't I don't trust Baylor enough to sit here and say that, that they're going to come back with just one loss. I think they lose again. Kansas State, I mean, they're a, a decent football team. They're above average. They're, I'd say they're they're a good football team, but they're not a a top ten team just yet. And they're not going to win out and win all their games. So, sorry I have the hiccups. I just don't see anybody in the Big 12 making it this year, even though – I think the Big 12, I would probably rank them, Trey, number two in my conference rankings right now. How how good all the teams, there's a lot of teams in that conference that beat up on each other. And that doesn't mean they're a weak conference. I, I give the Big 12 a lot of credit for the, the product they're putting on the field right now. Yeah, I think I would probably agree with you. They're, they're Right now, looking like the second-best conference, a little bit over the Pac-12. Uh, depth is, is there. Uh, still, not a lot of you know, defensive games. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I look at um, – and it's close. And the Pac-12 has, you know, what, six ranked teams. I mean, so it's real close. But I think the the top of the Pac-12 is just right now a little bit off from the top of the Big 12. And that could totally change in three weeks, Tarvin. But, um, yeah, right now, I, I agree yep. with you. Yeah, and, and another great game in the Big 12 yesterday. Baylor went on the road to West Virginia and – and, Trey, I don't know if you realize this, the last two games that Baylor has played, they've had over 300 yards of penalties. They broke a Big 12 record yesterday with the amount of penalties. They almost had 200 yards of penalties in one game. And how in the world can you get that many penalties? Well, I mean, a problem is discipline. I mean, Art Riles is a good coach. 
but is not exactly known for being a very disciplined coach when it comes to, you know, not only the hothead type penalties of personal fouls, but the interior type of, you know, offsides and, you know, holding those kind of penalties. So I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I went with West Virginia. I thought they were a key uh, spot to pick up that win for Clint Trinket. Um, and, you know, the Big 12, the depth is there this year. So um, Baylor just, you know, you, you look at that, you know, the, always look for that big win or that big loss, and, and that next week is always an interesting game to, to pick if it happens to be on the road. And I think that's what happened to Baylor. They had that great win over TCU, came way back, and then here you here you come into, you know, a game in West Virginia with a quarterback who's throwing the ball pretty well and a defense who actually has improved. I mean, that's saying a lot for West Virginia. Well, I want to bring Sonia on. And, and ask her opinion, and this is something she's talked about. We talked about it on this show a lot, but it's every year it's the same story with teams like Baylor, Oklahoma, Oregon. It's like this is it, this is a team, and all of a sudden, it's not the team. So Sonia, I mean, what is it going to take for you to start believing in in some of these teams like Baylor and and Oregon and teams like that that are, that are just soft? They can't really run the football. Well, first I want to say to Trey. Sorry, Trey, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, whoever, all fans do that. Live on last year. It's not just SEC fans. And if you want a perfect example, look at what FSU fans are, are posting right now. So all fans do it. They always base stuff on last year. But back to your question, Tarvis, it gets to the point, and, and the reason I brought Trey up, uh, Trey's comment up is because it lends credence to what he just said. There are so many people that look at last year. They always look at the wins. They don't look at what they lost. They don't look at the games they lost. They don't look at, you know, how much you lost on offense, how much you lost on defense, what you lost on, on special teams, who's injury prone. Nobody takes into account, you know, the players that are going to be injured, the ones that might get in trouble. Nobody takes that into account. And I think there are a lot of fan bases out there that are setting some unrealistic expectations. And that goes for the top teams and, you know, down to mid and lower. Um, another thing that people need to realize is with the college football playoff, okay, everything that you knew about college football, throw it out the window. Everything has changed now. What's going to happen now, you're going to see those teams that were mid-level who were only playing to get to a bowl game, these guys now have a shot. So they're going to bring their best. They're going to start hiring these good coaches. Look at Kentucky. You know, look at what Mississippi State is doing. And I've been watching Mississippi State for the past two years, and once you see where Dan Mullen was recruiting, you knew what was coming. So I, I think it's just a lot of unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, and a lot of people are saying you're, you're judging teams too early. You know, this team's overrated. This team's underrated. This team's this. That team's this. No, it's just any given Saturday. Any team can lose on any day. Especially this year. Yeah, and, and, you know, you see that. The most overreactions I see is, is from people like ESPN, Fox, and people like that. It's every week their new bandwagon team. They're all on the bandwagon. And then it crashes next week and they jump on another one. I think you're right, Sonia. I think sometimes we, we judge these teams way too early when we really need to wait until the end of the season to see. But I can tell you this, Oklahoma's out of it now because of their two losses, but that doesn't mean they're a bad team. Right. And I would agree I would definitely agree with you that with that, Tarvin. Um there's just gonna be a lot a lot of disappointed people and that same thing goes for 
right now, I think everybody and their grandma is on the Heisman watch list. Okay? <laughs> Every time you turn around, especially on Twitter, and I think Trey's on there a lot, you will see every every week, you know, when a team has a breakout game, then that star player is a Heisman hopeful. Then the next week is another Heisman hopeful. Guys, just give it up. We don't know what's going to happen. I've lost my fire a little bit about college football because, like, watching ESPN and some of these shows, it's just like I want to mute the TV and not watch it if I if it's on because I just I get tired of seeing how many different Heisman hopefuls you can have in a season. My God, there's probably 65 <laughs> to 70 that they, they've mentioned so far in eight weeks. And it, it is tiring to, to sit here and watch it, and you're just shaking your head. No, nah. Kenny Trill, no, nah, he's not a Heisman yet. He beat South Carolina. Yeah. What has he done since then? <laughs> you're so right. Jason and I were talking about when, when we were watching the game yesterday, we are like, okay, the first game, Kenny, Kenny Trill was the best thing since sliced bread. Then it was okay, he just needs to make some adjustments and someone's going to be this great coach. And yesterday it's kind of like, you know, shell shock. They quit yesterday. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, are so you serious? Yes, yeah, you got to play it every week in the SEC. Sonya, I'll bring you right back on in a minute. Just hold on <laughs> tight. Be careful driving that car. Uh, Trey, what Sonya said was true. I think I think there's a lot of overreactions during the college football season when, when we need to really wait for the dust to settle sometimes. Well, I mean, absolutely. ESPN's pretty notorious for this. This is sort of their way of producing talk or hype or criticism or hate. You know, they they, they live off of it. Um, but the rest of us, I think, or at least a lot of us, can kind of look at it a little bit neutrally and, and say, okay, well, you know, here's what may be happening this week. But let's look in you know, three weeks and see who they play, and you can see the sort of this playing out. Uh, they will know a lot about these teams, you know, at this point or that player. Uh, and so we don't know a lot right now. We know a little, uh, but we've still got a lot to learn about what's going on in college football. Well, Trey, I want to ask you real quick about the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, they played the Arkansas Razorbacks yesterday. They They beat up on them. Arkansas made a lot of mistakes. Are you ready to jump on that Georgia bandwagon? Because when I look at that schedule for Georgia, man, it is very soft. They play one more ranked. They, I don't even think they played, if you look at it, a ranked team this year, and Auburn will be the only one they play. Are you ready to buy into Georgia, or are they a product of playing poor competition right now? No, I think, you know, Arkansas got built up a little too much. I knew they were they're improved, yes, but they're not – Everybody built them up like, oh, this is, you know, a team that can go out and beat the best teams in the country, and that's just not what Arkansas is. They are improved. They're feisty. They're fighting. Um, but, you know, this is a Georgia team who's playing a, a pretty decent, decently easy schedule. Um, I give them credit for the Clemson win uh, without Deshaun Watson. That was a good, that was a good win. Uh, they have a bad loss at South Carolina. Uh, and so the only way I'll know if they're for real tournament is if they beat Auburn because – that's it. I mean, that's that's the only game left in their schedule that actually has any um, any kind of you know desire for me to watch a Georgia game is going to be that Auburn game. The rest of them are, are pretty pretty non uh, yeah. non non important. But that that loss of South Carolina, you talked about that. I mean, what is it going to take for the committee to forget that loss? Because if, if the longer we go, the more we see that that was a terrible, terrible loss and. I think it's going to take them winning out and winning the SEC 
to 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 get some respect back. I don't even think beating Auburn will will get that respect back until they can do it in the SEC championship game, until they can beat the West champion. I just think I'm going to hold off on, on jumping on that Georgia bandwagon, especially without Gurley. Chubb can't continue to carry the ball 82 times a game for the rest of this season. Oh, yeah. I think I still think Gurley is going to come back um, sooner rather than later. But, I mean, here's the thing, Tarvin. They still have a problem at quarterback. I still don't think Mason is the is the answer in a close game in the fourth quarter. Um, or even – what if they're down by four, Tarvin, and they got to go down the field? I mean, does Mason really – or any receiver on that team strike you with fear? No, they don't. They have to be up. Uh, and so that that's kind of the, the mark of a team to me um, – that isn't ready to play in a Final Four because they don't have a premier guy on offense who can win them the game. And Gurley's great, but they got in the lead for him. Um, and so, in late in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, they beat Auburn, Tarver, and we'll start talking. Yeah, I don't want them to do that. I don't, I don't even want to talk about Auburn right now. I'm still... I'm still pissed at the Mississippi State game. Maybe I'll be... Maybe maybe Auburn can bring me a present for Saturday on my birthday and, and actually beat somebody. That's what I'm hoping for. Until then, I'm not speaking to Auburn. Um, but looking at the top five this week, Trey, I don't know what your thoughts are. Right now we have four SEC West teams in the top five. I mean, that's never been done before in college football. And I, I think that's simply amazing. Even though it won't stay that way, it's, it's it's very pretty if you take a picture of that and just realize and you let it sink in. That, that's domination right there. And, it, and it's not from top to bottom. I mean, the SEC, I think Florida – Missouri, Tennessee's not playing good, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Arkansas. There's some bad teams in the SEC. They're not all top five teams this season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely impressive, and I think anybody who says otherwise is a little bit mistaken. But it will change, obviously, as these teams all play each other. And, again, you know, we don't we don't even know what's real right now for these teams. They look, You know, some of them look real good. Um, you know, I'll tell you, if you my, my top four – um, ha- has some of these teams in there, Tarvin. I, I would go into AP poll. Uh, my top four would be Mississippi State, Florida State number two, very, very close, very close between one and two. I think three is securely Ole Miss. And for me, Tarvin, I know you don't want to talk about Auburn, but you know I thought they were the best team in the country when they lost to Mississippi State. I still think they're one of the best in the country. Uh, so to me, even with not jumping on the the Alabama sort of you know bandwagon after the Texas A&M game, I, I still want to see something from them. Um, I still think Auburn's a better team. Well, I appreciate you saying that. What are you waiting? What are you waiting? Just curious. Alabama beat Texas A&M fifty nine to nothing yesterday. Sumlin's never been shut out as a coach. But and I have a question about that game. Did it look like to you the players? quit on Kevin Sumlin, kind of like they have Will Muschamp, or is that just a, a domination by Alabama? I know Alabama dominated, but I've never seen a team quit after being down 10 to nothing before. Yeah, I think there is something going on with A&M for sure. Now, I think Alabama played a really flawless game. Uh, you know, Blake Sims, people stopped talking about him. I thought he looked real, real good. Um, and I thought the defense for Alabama played their best game of the season. Uh, but you know, it's like I talked about you know last week. Why is A and M still ranked? Because they're you know they're playing a big game, and you know it's one of those things that the AP voters seem to bring in somebody in the top twenty-five or leave somebody in if they're playing somebody the next week. You can look at LSU this week and, and, and UCLA as well. Um, but I think Bama deserves a lot of credit for the win. They played their best game of the season. 
But I think we're going to see A&M keep losing. I don't, I don't think this is a year that they're going to have a lot of easy games unless they're playing, you know, yeah. Charleston Southern. And we'll break down the A&M game in just a few minutes. But I'm, I'm very interested to see Saban's rest. You know, it worked so well this past week. I wonder what he's going to say to the media this week. <laughs> we're, we played almost the perfect game. I mean, they really did. I mean, um, no penalty. No, no penalty. Yeah. It's a great, great, perfect game. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it goes to show. I mean, Alabama fan base has been very bipolar this season. I mean, they've been ready to – they didn't like Kiffin. They wanted to, to hang him up and kiss him. Then they wanted to kill him, and they wanted to kill him again. Now they, they're praising him again. That's, it goes to show we have to be a little more patient because some of these teams are about to – and you don't want to peak too soon. And and Malzahn said that several times this season. He's like, we do not want to peak too soon. We do not – because you look at the gauntlet they have, and Alabama could be that team that, that's getting hot at just the right time. But I have a, a little fun, you know, question for you, Trey, about point spreads next week. Auburn's at home against South Carolina. What do you think the point spread is? Night game in Auburn. Mm-hmm. Fourteen and a half, thirteen and a half. You're close, seventeen and a half, right now. Yeah, and, uh, I thought, I thought ne- about first, but thought I was too high. And the next question: LSU's at home against Ole Miss. What do you think the point spread is? <laughs> yeah, this is one of those overhyped games. I can already tell. Um, plus three and a half. Man, you're pretty good. It's three. LSU's a three-point dog at home. College game day is going to be there. And if Ole Miss and Auburn take care of business this weekend, college game day is going to be in Oxford for the Auburn-Ole Miss game the following week. So these games are about to start getting good. But these are the games I was talking about. Mississippi State going to Kentucky Saturday. LSU at home against Ole Miss. These are the games where we're going to find out how good these Mississippi teams are. It's easy the first part of the season to get you a couple of wins. And to peak, but I think that Mississippi State and Ole Miss could have peaked too soon, and it could be devastating at the end of the season when all these fans are sitting around like, how did Alabama win the West, or how did Auburn win the West? We had such a good lead. But, Trey, this is how we're going to find out how good Ole Miss is this weekend and the following week against Auburn. But Mississippi State, are you are you ready to put them on upset alert just yet? I mean, I think – I don't think LSU is a very good football team, so I'm not going to give away my pick for Wednesday, but no, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> if, if I told you Tennessee was a one-point underdog at home to Alabama, what would you say? I'd say, I'd say you read the wrong line. <laughs> Trey would finally go get a, all the money he could and try to bet it on Alabama. <laughs> he, 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 would, he, would finally, he would finally bet on the game, but – the next weekend is going to be a great weekend of football, and we'll talk about that. But, but Trey, when I, I look at the polls and I look at the media hype, Oregon Ducks right now, they're starting to to play better in your mind? Are they playing better because they're getting better maybe after that loss to Arizona, or, or are they, again, playing some, some weaker competition? I know Washington was 5-1, and one, but we knew that Oregon was going to take care of business in that game. Are you ready to get back on that Oregon Duck bandwagon just yet? I think Oregon is going the right direction. I think what I really like about Oregon is that, the, you know, we talk about offensive line now, and they're getting healthy there. 
And and you can see that Mariota is getting more confidence. I mean, I don't think he's throwing interception all year long, Tarvin. So uh, that's pretty darn good for any any team playing anybody. So I, I think they're starting to get where they should be. Uh, obviously, they have some games where we're going to determine more about that. Um, but they're getting to where they should be. And so uh, I'm not ready to put them in a top four position yet, Tarvin. But I'm watching. We're watching them. Well, I'm, I don't want to break down all these games. I do want to talk about the Alabama A&M game. I do want to talk about the Florida State-Notre Dame game. But before we do that and get out of here tonight, we're going to get Sonia on to talk about the Bama game. And also, Jason's with us. We want to hear his thoughts on his Minnesota Gophers trade that are ranked. And uh, looking pretty good right now. Purdue team's not as bad as people thought. I watched them play, and I, I told him, I said, that Purdue team's good. But I want to bring up one subject with you right quick. Uh, Will Muschamp, and I've never in my college football life have heard. A, I've never heard a home team chant "fire the coach." They were saying "fire Will Muschamp, fire Will Muschamp." Trey, how bad is it in, in Florida right now? You give up 150 yards and you get beat by 40. I mean, come on. Well, and they got beat by a Missouri team who we know isn't very good, <laughs> and so yeah, man, it's it's bad in Florida. Um, and I, what I guess I'm really con, really concerned about is I know Roper is a, a proven offensive commodity. You've seen what he's done with much less talent. Uh, and he did it against good teams last year. If you look at Duke, how, how Duke produced against Florida State and A&M near the end of the season, I mean, Roper called really good games. And you know, I just wonder, because I don't think it's him, Tarvin, what is it? What is it about this team? Is it is it Driscoll that bad? Is it you know because they have so much? They have four and five star talent, Tarvin. So there's something. Whether it's I don't know that Muschamp's going to survive much longer. Whether it's him or not, there's something going on. I bet Sonia's going to tell us in a moment when she comes on. You can tell. I can tell when when a coach has lost the locker room. He's lost his team. We saw it in Auburn two years ago. A three and nine nightmare, and as the season went on, Trey, and that's why I'm on the boat to let's fire Will Muschamp now, and let's just see if a spark. See if that's the reason you're going to fire him anyway. Why not just fire him now and see if if you can get something going? I mean, the East is still up for grabs, even though you suck right now. You never know what can happen, but what good is it going to do to keep Will Muschamp as the head coach of Florida? I mean, once it's over, it's over. There's no coming back. We saw Gene Chizik play competitive his first four games, five games of that season, and once they lost, it was over with. They quit. They were getting beat 50 to nothing almost, never scoring a point against their rivals. Alabama-Auburn beat them 80 to nothing. And and imagine how bad Florida State's going to beat this team by the end of the season when this this team has quit already. I mean, do you fire Will Muschamp now? I mean, that's, that's a big question. I don't know. I think of all the coaches that I would fire, um, he's not the hottest, if you, if you can buy that. I, I'm going to fire a guy in Michigan first. Uh, but Muschamp's got to be on that top here. If you have a top ten of, of coaches who should be fired or, or, or getting close, he's got to be in the top ten range. Uh, I, don't know if I, I don't know if he's in my top two, but uh, he's up there, Tarvin. I, I really want to see if they actually – I think if, I, if I'm a trustee or if I'm a Florida fan, and, and I'm not, I want to see how how they play maybe a game or two if they quit even further. Because if they do, you know there's something going on. But also what I'd like to see is from recruits. Um, I, I want to see if they're still getting guys coming in or if guys are going to start decommitting. Uh, because, you know, those guys who come in for those visits see, see what's going on as well, and that's always a key indicator. But I'll tell you one thing. It's hard to fire a coach 
unless you know who the backup is. Who's the who's your plan? What's your backup plan? And right now, even if Dan Mullen is the is the coach you want, he's not going to talk to you right now when he's undefeated number one in the country. Do you think he would? I mean, I think there's no shot in it. Uh, not not a, at least not him. Now his agent Tarvin. <laughs> As we know, agents can do a lot of things that the coach may not do. Yeah, true. True. And and, and the the reason I say that is if you fire Muschamp, then one thing at least he's been able to do is recruit. And and maybe you don't know what the problem is right now. If you fire in maybe these recruits that you already have, and Paul Ewing brought this up, which was a great point those recruits that you have right now on board will jump ship until they see you, you know, who you hire. And that could be till the first of next year, Trey, especially like if Dan Mullen's playing in a playoff and all of a sudden it's too late to go back and get those five-star recruits because they've, they've gone other places and, and they've been courted by other big schools. So it's dangerous, but Foley, I mean, Paul seems to think he's got a two-year deal right now. So he's got next year as well. I just don't see that. Yeah, I mean, well, like I said, he, he's up there of people that I think you have to watch for how – because if Florida's playing hard, they have talent to at least compete in these games. But uh, watching them get beat that way against Missouri, it's pretty concerning. Yeah, Missouri's a powerhouse, they've shown. They, I mean, they Missouri's – Terrible. I would I would love for Auburn to make the SEC championship again and play them one more time again. That would be that would be a, an onslaught right there. But Cuervo, welcome to the chat room and and you know we're going to bring Sonya on right quick for the Alabama game. I mean this was over it was over first possession. I mean Bama went down, kicked a field goal. That was all they needed. But but Sonya, I know you were one of the fans that. They didn't panic when Alabama lost Ole Miss. They won by one point against Arkansas. Never did I hear you slam your team, put them down, and for that I'll give you kudos because some Bama fans out there were ready to fire Saban, fire Kiffin, and, and Alabama showed yesterday that, you know, the committee's meeting next week, that they're they're making a big push to be considered in that top four. You're right. Thank you, Tarvin, first off, for that. And this is a problem. I'm going to address two things, uh, one that you were talking about earlier as far as Blue Champ and the whole coach thing. But as far as Alabama, what I this is what I see with Alabama. That Yesterday, that game was a statement game. It was a statement game to shut up the questions of, is Saban losing his touch? Is, uh, you know, is this team not on the caliber of other teams? Basically, what, what – what the team showed yesterday, what that family team showed was we're shutting you guys up because we're focused. We've got some things that we need to fix. We don't need to be worried about what this person's saying, what this analyst is saying, what this sportscaster, what this former player is saying. Forget all that. We are here, and we're going to keep doing what we do. Will we mess up sometimes? Yes. Will we win sometimes? Yes. But people take it way too seriously, number one. And the main fans that you're going to see talking that noise, calling for someone's head, and this goes to uh, the, the previous talk, topic as far as Blue Champ. Florida Gator fans, let me explain something to you guys, and I'm going to explain this to Alabama fans too. All of you fans who just started following your team when they started being successful, Alabama fans, that was 2009, Auburn fans, that was 2010, Florida, that was the late 80s, early 90s. You guys were not successful before Spurrier. Check the record. I worked on that. I know what your record was. When Spurrier came, 
and started building that success in Florida, the same thing happened with the new Bama fans. They started seeing a taste of success. The difference with Bama is they had past success, okay? Florida did So you've got a lot of new fans who are spoiled, you know, and they want this and they want it now. I think it's totally disrespectful to start a website asking to fire Will and hire Dan when both coaches are active. I mean, that's an insult to them, and and people don't understand why you're trying to get that coach there. Guess what? He's looking at the way that you're treating the current coach. What coaches want to go to want to come to your school when you are, you know, you've got a fan base that starts a website chanting, fire him. No coaches want to deal with that. So that's something that you, the, that small contingent of bandwagon fans, those guys are always the loudest. You're always going to hear them more than ever. Now, going back to Will and going into the whole hot coaches hot seat thing, what people need to understand, too, nothing is, nine times out of ten, nothing is going to happen until Michigan makes a decision. What people need to see, when Hoke is fired, and he will be, let's, let's just be honest, that's going to cause a domino effect. Because what could happen, and I'm not saying this is, you know, this is what's going to happen, but what could happen, they could offer that job to Les Miles. Les leaves LSU. LSU is looking for a coach. Okay, say Florida fires their coach. Then Florida's looking for a coach. Then you've got all these other teams who've got coaches on the hot seat. Coaches who are in waiting, waiting to be promoted, are looking at that, and coaches who are looking to jump ship are looking at that. So most people need to understand it's all really going to start with hope because right now that's the biggest that's the biggest job out there when it comes to you know a coach on a hot seat, a possible job. So that's, that's a great point. Catalyst. That's going to be the catalyst. That you're not going to see any moves made because these coaches and ads are waiting. You know they're waiting to see. Okay, we want this guy, but you know, boom. So you just you just have to look at the you got to look at the big picture. You just can't look at your team, your conference, your school. You got to look at the Sonia, big picture. Sonia, I want to say this to Florida fans out there. I mean, if you're low enough to be chanting, fire a coach, and his kids maybe are in the stands, his wife's there, his family. If you're low exactly. enough to sit here and say something like that, then. Man, I just I wouldn't want to go coach in Florida right now. I mean, that, I, I, exactly what you just said. I mean, if Dan Mullen was even thinking about it. He's like, man, if I don't turn it around in a year, they're going to be saying, fire me. He's got something going good at Mississippi State right now. Can he can he continue? And we'll we'll see. But man, you you've got to treat your your coaches, your players, good as fans. I mean, I don't like to see anybody getting booed, but I'll boo a coach before I will. A player, but Firewheel must champ. I think they're taking it way too far. That was, it was too far. And Jason actually wants to say something. Hold on. Florida needs to learn from Tennessee because they got burned doing the same thing. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. And 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 people don't understand too. The recruits see that. And you and I both know there. I believe Trey knows too because we've talked about this on previous shows. Recruits have changed or dropped the school just because of fans' behavior on social media. So imagine a recruit standing there and and Will's trying to you know recruit this kid and he's like, come to this game and see what we can do or see you know see where we need to. He could be going from either angle. And this kid's standing there and they're hearing fire Will. This kid's like, I ain't got time for this. Well, what, what Auburn, Alabama, you know, George mm-hmm. talked about. <laughs> well, I'll tell you but, this: when when Chizik lost control of his team there. You know, the fans spoke 
by – I mean, they still came to the game, but not as many. But I never heard – and I went to five of those home games that year, and I never once heard one time any kind of chant. I mean, it's 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 hard when, you're, when your rival is winning championships and you're three and nine, but not one time have I did I ever hear any fans start chanting, fire Gene Chizik. Now, now they said it, you know, by not coming to the game towards the end of the season, but they never – made an ass of themselves and made the school doing it. Florida fans need to be ashamed. Yeah, I call it the fresh success syndrome because if you ever notice, a team that has fresh success and and fresh is like within the last five to eight years, there's going to be an influx of fans. I mean, think about it. Since two weeks ago, how many Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans have all of a sudden popped up? Well, they're everywhere. They're like roaches. They're exactly. They're just like turning a light on in a you know an old house. Roaches just roaches just scatter. But you know, going back to the main topic, which is the Alabama game. Alabama to me, that's the team I want to see every Saturday. I, that's what I knew they were capable of. I will never ever sit here and bash a player. I'm never going to bash my coach, especially with the success that they brought to the team and, and what Saban has done for Alabama. And this is what gets me. Some of these Alabama fans, if you ask them, well, who was the coach before Saban? The first thing they say is Shula. No, actually, it was fine. Okay? He was there. He took over for that, that small little amount of time when Shula was let go and Saban came in. They forget all of the years before Saban when we weren't bowl eligible, when we didn't play postseason, you know, or if we did, it was, you know, once every blue moon. And now that Saban's come and it's national championship, you know, 2009, 2011, 2012, now all of a sudden, you know, we've got this arrogance, which we really need to let go. And that's the Alabama fans. Y'all need to let that arrogance go. Any team can lose. Any team can win. Bama is beatable, okay? Do I hate that? Yeah, but it's a fact of life. Every team is beatable. No team will ever, ever, ever win forever and never lose a game. And if you're not prepared for that, you don't need to be really watching sports, much less football. Yeah, and Sonia Tree had a good comment in the chat room. He said uh, that they did some recruit checks. Rivals, his recruits, reacted very negatively to the loss this week and, and the way the fans acted. So right up there. But tell us about your tide real quick. The A&M, I mean, were, were you surprised that they came in and, and took care of it 59 to nothing, considering someone's never been shut out in his college coaching career? I wasn't surprised. I was very happy. I was uh, I was a little surprised at just the way, I mean, the shutout really got me. I was like, oh, my God, Bama's clicking on all cylinders. Blake Sims looking like a young Mike Vick at Virginia Tech. I don't care who doesn't disagree with me, but if you look at the game film of Mike Vick when he was at Virginia Tech and you look at Blake Sims, sweetie, if that child can continue to grow and develop, he's going to be a great quarterback. Now, do I think he's NFL worthy or ready? No, I'm sorry, I don't. He's not. I love Blake. I think he's good. I don't think he's NFL caliber. Maybe backup practice squad, but you never know because we what we've seen is we've seen him grow. We've seen Bama grow. It's growing pains, people. Bama did such an awesome job yesterday. I was very proud of the fans. I was very proud of our team, and I was. It, it just seemed like they really listened to, to Coach Saban. And if you read the Bama players on Twitter, they were like. We're here. We're ready. You know, there was no worry. There was no uh, no penalties. Yeah, yeah, no penalties. <laughs> but there was no, well, we're going to prove this person wrong. It was more like we're playing this game for us. 
we're not playing it for everybody else. This is the game for us. And if they have that same attitude, it's great. Now I want to, I want to, if you don't mind, Harvin, I want to skip over to the Gophers right quick. I got to give shout out to the Minnesota Gophers. That Minnesota Purdue game was awesome. It's yeah. so good to finally see the Gophers. They're number one in the Big Ten West. So I got to say, ski you ma and shout <laughs> out Coach Hill and the Golden Gophers. It's because the way in sports talk, the success of Minnesota, Jason, is is because we, you know, you're on the show and 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 they're doing well. Yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> overjoyed yesterday. Um, we we made a crucial step yesterday, and a lot of people won't look at it the way I look at it. But the step that we made yesterday is we actually won a game we were supposed to win. <laughs> In the past, we would lose to the teams we were supposed to beat, per se, Iowa, per se, Northwestern. So I think, you know, kills are always about taking steps, making progress. We're making progress. And what's, what's ironic to me is we have a very strong possibility of being 9-1 when we play Ohio State at TCS Stadium. And the one thing yep. that I have going for me is momentum. What I saw in that locker room after the game, you saw a team. You saw a celebration. These kids get it. And if we're clicking on all cylinders and we're 9-1 and one and we're playing Ohio State, we have a really good shot at beating Ohio State and playing Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. Our last three games, I will figure out how good the Gophers are. Because we have basically Ohio State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. Um, I'm happy. This is the most happy I've ever been. <laughs> I posted today, I can't even remember the last time we were ranked except for the year that we beat Alabama in a bowl game. And you're right, Tarvin, too. Uh, Tam, you players did quit. And so did Florida. It's 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 turning into statistics. The players are just they're done, and it's sad. Yeah, and I wouldn't try to take anything away from from the way Bama played, but it's just like the mentality of kids these days. Especially, you look at recruits. Florida, Texas A and M. They have a bunch of four or five star athletes. They're not used to facing this kind of adversity. Everybody thought that A and M after that first game was going to roll through the SEC, no problem and they thought Florida was back and everything. But at the end of the day, to win in the SEC or for any conference, you have to, you're going to have a gut check time. There's going to be games where everything's going wrong. Look at Auburn a couple of weeks ago. Everything went wrong. And you know what? One thing I'll tell you about them, they fought for four quarters. They came up 15 points short. But that's going to pay dividends later on down the season because they continue to fight, and it paid off last year for them. But teams like TAMU and Florida – I'm just very concerned at the leadership. And you look at Charlie Strong. Look at Texas, how much better they're getting every week. They're buying oh, yeah, in. The they're a tough-nosed tough team. They're ready to play football. They know what's expected of them. They know what what's expected of the coach. Everybody's clicking. So everybody was ready to shoot Texas, including myself. But I'm eating my words. I'm looking at the leadership. I'm looking at, at the character of these kids. And I just don't think – you see a team that quits. I don't. I question the character of the coach. I question the character of the kids as well. Yeah, it's a it's it's a the game is mental. 
if you already thought, if you walk into the game, walk into the field thinking we're going to lose, you're not going to give 100%, and that infects the rest of the team. So, to me, the good coaches and the good teams, teams that have success, are teams that also attack that, and that's that mental attitude. You've got to, you've got to believe. You've got to fight all quarters. And I agree with you, too. I, we talked about that as far as Auburn. I had to give Auburn props. I'm like, these guys did not quit. Even when they knew, you know, when time was getting down and they couldn't overcome that hurdle, they still gave 100%. So Auburn is going to be a team you can't overlook. Yep, and that's a, that's what makes me proud. I know we lost that game, but one thing I'll take away from it is is we came back and we fought. But, guys, thanks for joining us right quick. We're going to go over the Florida State-Notre Dame game, and we're going to get out of here. Hopefully you are close to home. So we'll see you Wednesday night for sure, right? All right, we'll be there. Thanks so much, guys. Go Gophers! <laughs> go Gophers. Man, Trey, have you ever heard Jason that excited? <laughs> Hey, man, he's got a good reason to. I mean, uh, the Big Ten is up for grabs, especially um, with they, the Gophers seem to have something this year. I'd, I'd love to see them come out and beat Ohio State. I mean, I'm not a big Ohio State fan, but I'd love it. And, you know, I look at the Big Ten, and I'm gaining more and more respect with you got Minnesota, Michigan State, uh, Nebraska. I'll give them respect, but I'm not giving Ohio State any props right now. Uh, I'm sorry out there if you're if you're an Ohio State fan you're listening. To me, you're not on that level yet with those teams, and those three teams are making the the Big Ten very proud right now. And you, you gotta love Michigan State, you gotta like Nebraska and love Minnesota. It's just if you love college football, you like those kind of teams. And I think people are forgetting about that Oregon loss. The more time that goes on, Trey, and the more Oregon keeps looking like they're they're regular selves, people are gonna forget about that loss. And it's the first, second, or second week of the year. I mean, come on. Let's let's give a little forgiveness for that going on the road against the top five team. But let's get yeah, to the I think number they're going to have a shot. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, buddy. I was saying I, I didn't well, mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. Oh, it's all right. Well, let's get to the game that everybody's wanting to talk about right now, especially you, the Florida State Seminoles at home. All the adversity, the the Jameis Winston drama going on, and Florida State again. I'll give them credit. They found a way to win a game in the fourth quarter. And I wasn't surprised at all, Trey, that Notre Dame took a lead in the locker room because usually if you play Florida State, you do have a lead at halftime. But it's that fourth quarter that gets teams, and Florida State showed why. They're the defending national champions right now. They still have a lot of fight left in them. Yeah, I mean, Jameis Winston's fourth quarter uh, QBR is something ridiculous. I mean, it's it's the highest thing, the highest in the nation. It's, it's ridiculous how good he has been in the fourth quarter. Uh, and another stat out of Winston, Tarman, I think he was 10 of 12 when facing a blitz of five or more people uh, with two touchdowns. That's that's unheard of. Uh, so the fact that that offensive line was, I mean, was giving him a lot of hits and he was still so good against Notre Dame. I mean, Ben Gorder called a really good game on defense, Tarvin, and that that yeah. Notre Dame defense was was just about the perfect game called. Um, there were some times they were just beat. It wasn't because of coaching. You could tell they were in the right place at the right time almost at every single moment. Uh, just sometimes the talent was a little bit better on the Florida State uh, wide receiver end. Uh, but Notre Dame, man, offensively and defensively, I give them a lot of credit, Tarvin. That was a perfectly called game on both ends, I thought. I think Brian Van Gorder is the best defensive coordinator one of them in the country. I mean, I really do. When he was at Auburn, I'm sorry, they didn't have the, the players to run his style of defense. 
And now that he's at Notre Dame, he's got the linebacking core. He feels at home there at Notre Dame, and he did a wonderful job. He had Winston and that offense confused. And when you have a center that's a freshman like you were talking about, he can really manipulate and get in the head of these guys. But Florida State being at home, had that game been on a neutral site, Trey, or at Notre Dame, I think we could have had a different outcome. But at the end of the day, (laughs) it was in Tallahassee. And they won. Tell me about the emotion of Jimbo Fisher after that game. I mean, he was he was very happy uh, after that win, especially all the hell they've been going through with, with Winston. looked like he was very, you know, thankful. But he also showed a little cockiness in there, too. What do you think? Well, I didn't see cockiness. I saw, you know, you got to think about how much hate, basically, he's been getting. And I think, uh, I think you know, this is a big win for, for him and for – the Knowles and the fact that, you know, you have a team that basically has been, you know, right and wrong. There's some right to the criticism. There's some wrong in the criticism. Um, they've, they've just basically, they keep up with the adversity. And, and the fact that they beat a top five team, you're right at home, um, was a huge win. I mean, for, for the, it basically is some of the freshmen playing in that game, Florida State, uh, getting beat like they were in that game to come out in the end and win that game was huge. Well, Peyton Manning just threw, uh, what is it, his 59th touchdown trade? Yeah, he just was broke the number. Yep, he just broke the record. They're going to be up 21-3 to on the Niners. Man, it couldn't – and I'm getting back to your game. I apologize for that. But the touchdown king is here, Peyton Manning, and I know Sonya's happy in the car driving. She has him on his on her fantasy team, but man, what a career this guy! I mean, probably the best quarterback to ever play the game of football. Trey, I'm telling you, week in and week out, this guy brings it all. Every I've never seen him not mentally be in a game. But Peyton Manning breaks the record, and we'll discuss that more on the next show. But Quinn's on the line. We're about to bring him on in a, on in a minute. But let's go to that last play of the game in the Florida State Notre Dame game with the offensive pass interference and and being an official trade that was the right call but we're always told as officials you know if you're going to call something like that it's like a foul calling a a foul going up to the goal with tie game with seconds left it's like maybe that call maybe shouldn't have been called there because you know from looking at football that happens about every play I just wanted your thoughts on that last call even though it was the right call I just wanted your thoughts on that well, I mean, a very similar play had happened on a touchdown earlier. And, you know, the thing about Brian Kelly is, is you run it once and, and you get picked like that, what happens? Jimbo Fisher goes up to the officials at halftime and says, hey, watch the picks. You know, this is exactly when they ran it. This is what they did. And the officials are taught, basically, to if they get, they get on notice of something's happening, to watch it. And so, you know, that, that's, yep. that's part one. Right. Part two no, you're right. It was the right call. The head officiating for the NFL, the ACC, and, and a bunch of other conferences, all and a bunch of people on Twitter, all these officials on Twitter as well, all said it was the right call. So, I mean, it was the right call. Um, and so it, here's the thing. Brian Kelly could coach that better. Uh, they get their hands up, Tarvin, or even act like they're running a route. You know, Florida State is down, you know, with 17 seconds and they lose the football game. The wide receivers went straight to blocking hands inside. It's bad technique, uh, <laughs> and it's the right call. I mean, so uh, at the end of the day, the only thing that you can say in that is if you're going to call that play and you knew you had run it earlier and got away with it, is you have to coach your guys to basically run a route and put their hands up. That's what everybody knows to do. 
Well, there was a player for Notre Dame. Uh, I can't remember. Butler, maybe his last name, where when that happened, a uh, Florida State fan dumped whiskey all over the wheelchair of his brother and his family and everything, and then the flag happened. I guess he, he might have went and licked it up off the ground and off the clothes of those people. But, I mean, these Florida State fans get crazy at football games. And uh, I remember at Auburn one time where, where a Tennessee fan pissed when uh, – one of the Tennessee guys threw an interception to end the game. He started peeing everywhere. Trey, I mean, I don't want to get off on tangents of fans, but did you hear that story? <laughs> no, I think you made that up. But, uh, man, there's crazy fans in every <laughs> in every stadium. <laughs> but that's a well, really weird on, tangent to go on. <laughs> no, I mean, that I, I read that just a few minutes ago, and I forgot to bring it up. But the guy's family was there, his brother's in a wheelchair, and some fan poured whiskey all over him. But uh, I'm going to bring Quinn on right quick. Quinn, welcome to the show. Give us your thoughts on the game last night. It was a great game. I was uh, I was very pleased with the play calling that Brian Kelly and Van Gorder did. Both are some – Kelly is one of the better offensive coaches in the game, and Van Gorder is one of the better defensive coaches in the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And that I knew I knew Winston was gonna get going at some point and I wanted to see how Notre Dame responded and they responded very well. And actually I don't know if you'd agree with me, Trey, but I actually think Golson through that whole game, you can look at the stats, outplayed Jameis Winston. Trey Well, I mean yeah, Quinn, I mean, I think there's an argument for that. Um, I, you know, you've seen some, I've seen some numbers and some stats, but uh, Golson's had better games, but he didn't turn the ball over um, in ways that he was criticized for going in that game. And so I think Golson played a very good game. Uh, yeah. I think the fourth quarter went to Winston, and that's really what it came down to it. Yeah. Yeah, I was very well, pleased. I was wrong, man. I was wrong about your Notre Dame Irish there. They're better than I, I gave them credit for. So when I'm wrong, I want to admit it. I thought Florida State would win that game by three touchdowns, and and yeah. uh, you you guys played well enough to win. So congratulations for that. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting what happens if uh, Notre Dame wins out. They're going to be in the poinsettia bowl. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I don't. I don't think Notre Dame can get in the playoff, uh, Quinn, unless a lot of things yeah. happen. And, and and it's because of. I think it's because they're not in a conference. But if you want to talk about a, a good loss, going on the road against the defending national champion and, and losing in the last play, that's a great loss. So you could get in maybe if, if people start losing right now. Notre Dame's got a shot because they 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 played respectable, but they're going to have to really impress some people from this point on to be able to to get in. And Florida State's going to have to win out as well. Yeah. Well, all right, Quinn, man, congratulations. I know it sucks to lose. Winston has tore his heart out twice, Trey, against uh, Auburn last year in the final seconds, and against Notre Dame yesterday. So, so Quinn, if anybody has a, a reason to hate Winston, it's Quinn. But Paul Ewing seems to be the main one that, that hates Winston <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, you know, 
That's the way it goes. Uh, I don't have a lot else to do in Florida other than hate other people right now, and that's fair. I mean, if I was in his shoes, I might do the same thing. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing about Notre Dame, Tarvin. They still have, you know, Arizona State, Louisville, and USC on the schedule. We don't know how many of those teams are going to be ranked, but a couple, a couple of them could. And if Arizona State keeps winning and that becomes a top-ten matchup, there's anything possible for Notre Dame. So if they went out, it's going to be real intriguing what happens. Well, Trey, I was going to tell you, be careful what you say on this show because you can get trolled. Uh, I got trolled last night by an Oklahoma fan that came out of nowhere. I guess he listened to the show and, and hears us dog Oklahoma all the time, and, and you, may, you may get some personal threats against you. So so, so be very careful what you say on this show. <laughs> well, you know, I'm pretty careful what I say, but at the same point, you know, it's, it's okay if we have a negative opinion of your team. Uh, you can have a very positive opinion about your team. It's, it's okay. You can come on the show and you can tell us the positive about your team, and that's what we'll allow you to do. Um, but I don't obviously well, how, Hold on. I'm going to give them an invitation. Them. The person out there, if you're listening, I'm going to give you an invitation to come to me and maybe we can just talk about your team one-on-one and, you know, in person, face-to-face. Because typing's overrated sometimes, you know. I would love to discuss Oklahoma you know, over a cup of coffee with you, man, whatever whatever you'd like to do. I'd love to see you one day. So if you're out there listening, you know who you are. I'd love to have this conversation in person. Sometimes, Trey, being in person makes a lot of difference. Well, let, me, let me just speak to that as well. I mean, here's the thing. This show, you can call in. You can tell us that we're <laughs> wrong in our opinions. You can tell us why. You know, back it up with stats helps uh, because we have people who call in all the time who just, you know, my team is great because X, Y, and Z, and which doesn't help us. Tell us tell us why. You're better at this position. That position was injured, and we don't know about it. Give us something to go off of. But don't name call. Don't get upset because we don't agree with you. Um, just just the way it is, Darwin. See, Quinn could have called in and, and cussed me out tonight and told me I was wrong, and I was wrong about Notre Dame, but you know what? He, he has more class than that. He actually – understands the game of football. But for people like that, and Sonia's still listening, she knows how people are. These people are, are morons. I mean, they, they support their team, they think, and then when they lose, they just they get off their meds and their rocker and they, they start acting like crap. And, and I don't want to hear an excuse, Trey, oh, I was drunk. Well, if you were drunk, you don't need to be on a on a home Facebook, do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, just be careful, though. You know, be careful when you're when you're drinking. Don't drive, and maybe stay away from the keyboard. Yeah, stay away from me. That's for damn sure. Just to throw that out there, because uh, he knows who he is when he's listening right here. So I just wanted to call him out on the air, let him know I still think your team sucks. I still think you suck, and that's okay. I have my opinion, and I and I'm probably right because 99% of the people I know think you suck. So we'll just keep it at that. But, Trey, next weekend we have a big weekend coming up in the college football world. And, man, I'm excited about now it's time to separate the men from the boys. we got Alabama going to Tennessee, and that's always a tough game, Trey. I know Tennessee, you know, they haven't played well in the last few weeks, but for Alabama they'll be ready. South Carolina comes into Auburn. Mississippi goes to LSU with college game day there. Mississippi State goes to Kentucky. Any games you're seeing out there maybe? It's getting you excited for next weekend. I'll tell you, I feel the exact opposite about next week than you. I think next week is going to be a huge letdown. I think we're, next week is the, the calm before the real storm. I think we're going to have a lot of 
And this week we had a lot of blowouts, Harvin. And the Florida State Notre Dame game was, you know, unfortunately for college football fans, was an incredible game, maybe the best game we've seen all year. Uh, but next week, I mean, if you think about minus this week, minus the Florida State game, it was all blowout. Uh, next yeah. week it's going to be all blowouts. <laughs> and so, well, um, I'm just trying to hide people up here, man. You don't don't <laughs> pop my balloon like that, man. But, but, well, but I know, think I think the balloon will be popped for South Carolina. I think you'll, you'll be just fine next week. But I hope Auburn can somehow manage to pull out that win on my birthday, man. It's just it's <laughs> insane. But you you may be right, Trey. I look at the top 25 matchups. We got we don't have anything that I think the LSU Ole Miss game will be the best game of the day. And I, I think it'll live up to the hype with game day. There's no way Ole Miss is going into Baton Rouge. And I'm going to go ahead and call it now. Ole Miss will not win next Saturday. And I hate that because I want them to win and play us and let us be the first loss. But I just don't think they're going into Baton Rouge right now winning. I could be wrong. But, you know, we'll see. But, Trey, thanks for joining me tonight. Sonia, Jason, Quinn, everybody, Cuervo in the chat room, and other people, thanks for listening. Hit our podcast up if you missed the live show tonight. But we'll be back on hopefully Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Trey, I've been crazy with a class I'm in, but I'll try to be there. Are you good Wednesday night? Yeah, I think I have a, yeah, a family, not a family, a friend in town. So I may, yeah, I may not be able to because I don't know if they're going to be here Wednesday or Tuesday, but I'll let you know. You don't have any friends besides me, do you? <laughs> I thought you were coming in town. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Well, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us. And, again, Peyton Manning broke the record, and we will see you next week.